folks, and welcome to Dope Nostalgia. I'm Naomi. Uh, there's a lot of brutal things happening in the world right now. Uh, I know this show is something that gives us a little bit of upbeat uh, energy and something that we can look back on some fond times with. And at the same time, I'd like to support causes out there that are very important right now, such as the media blackout that's going to happen on Tuesday. Uh, a lot of music media will not be publishing on Tuesday in support of what's going on with George Floyd and the police brutality that's happened in the U.S. and all, all the, the the sad, it's a sad, sad time right now. And we need to learn how to not just talk and wish condolences and whatnot, but actually do something, do something to make a change. It's very important. I can always say that I feel bad about it and then just get off my soapbox. But I think it's time we learn and start asking our community, how do we do something to make a difference? Now, I know I'm in Canada. I know it's a bit different here, but racism exists everywhere. Um, and it's a good, important time to look with, within and see what we can do to make change. So we'll be participating in that. Usually the uh, Dope Nostalgia podcast is released on Thursdays to the general public. Tuesdays on Patreon for our subscribers and because of the blackout on Tuesday I'm going to release it on Monday instead. There was a couple of Twitter polls that we had posted. I did not talk about the MC Hammer poll last episode. Went right over my head. I wanted to tell you guys the results of those polls. I asked you what is the best MC Hammer song from a list of four and I don't include the big like smash hit like I don't put you can't touch us in there I make you dig a little bit think a little bit deeper your options were well I'll just tell you how it went down with all the votes yo sweetness was on the list and didn't get a single vote pumps in the bump hey same thing zero votes 40% of the vote went to have you seen her which is such a beautiful little ballad I love that tune and the number one choice for best MC Hammer song went to Too Legit to Quit. I'm happy with those choices. That was good. Then we had another Twitter poll when we had uh, Madonna's backup singer Donna DeLore on the show. I asked you, which Madonna world tour was the greatest? Well, once again, four options. Who's That Girl Tour didn't get a vote. The Girly Show didn't get a vote. Coming in with 25% of the vote was the Blonde Ambition Tour. I'm surprised this one wasn't number one. The Blonde Ambition Tour was probably like the most well-known. But that's okay because number one comes in as the Drowned World Tour. I believe that was supporting uh, the Ray of Light album, if I'm correct. But thank you for voting in our Twitter poll. We'll have a new one every week. This week we're going to be asking you, what's the best Tevin Campbell song? All right, so you can go to our Twitter, at uh, Nostalgia Dope, and that's where you can follow us and you can vote in our next poll. I want to give a shout out to one of our followers on Patreon. Actually, two. We have two followers on Patreon right now, that, as it's just a new thing and a new concept. Patreon is a way that you can listen to the podcast early every week. You also get to see all the bonus material that we record for it. See, when I say see, it's because there's video content online as well from Patreon subscribers only. You get to see some of the interviews that happen for the show, not just get the ear candy. So 
check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash dope nostalgia and become a subscriber. It's really, really, really cheap. Very affordable. I also want to plug our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash dope nostalgia, where you can see our playlists of all the artists that we've had on the show. There's episodes on there as well and more fun stuff. Oh, it just keeps getting better. All right. This week, we spoke with a buddy uh, from the U.S. there, Anthony. He came on the show with me to talk about the career of young, talented Tevin Campbell, who was on fire in his career during the 90s. Such a big, big uh, story with this guy. It was wonderful. Anyways, we talk about Tevin. We couldn't get Tevin on the show. That could always change. I can keep asking. (laughs) I don't like to be a pain in the ass to the stars. But I like to ask and see if I can try to find them. Sometimes there's not even a way to get a hold of them. But if anyone knows, we'd love to have Tevin on the show. Here you go. Let's talk about Tevin. Wikipedia Moment. Tevin Campbell is an American singer, songwriter, and actor. Born in Waxahachie, Texas, he performed gospel in his local church from an early age. Following an audition for jazz musician Bobby Humphrey in 1988, Campbell was signed to Warner Brothers Records. In 1989, Campbell collaborated with Quincy Jones, performing lead vocals for Tomorrow on Jones's album Back on the Block, and released his platinum-selling debut album T-E-V-I-N. The album included his highest-charting single to date, Tell Me What You Want Me To Do, peaking at number 6 on the Billboard Hot 100. The debut album also included the singles Alone With You and Goodbye. His double platinum selling second album, I'm Ready, released in 1993, included two high charting songs penned by Babyface. Can We Talk peaked at number 9 on the Hot 100 and number 1 on the Billboard R&B charts. And the album's title track, I'm Ready, which also peaked at number 9 on the Hot 100. In 1996, Campbell released his third album, Back to the World, which was not as commercially or critically successful as his first two releases. His fourth and most recent album, Tevin Campbell, was released in 1999, but performed poorly on Billboard's album charts. Apart from music, Campbell commenced an acting career by appearing in the sequel to Prince's Purple Rain, named Graffiti Bridge, and made guest appearances on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Moesha television programs voiced fictional pop star Powerline in Disney's A Goofy Movie, and was cast as Seaweed in the Broadway musical Hairspray in 2005. Campbell has earned five Grammy Award nominations and has certified sales of 4.5 million records in the United States, according to the Recording Industry Association of America. So everybody, this is Anthony. Now, Anthony and I met, we've never actually met. We, we met on this site <laughs> called Omegle. I think it was Omegle that day, wasn't no, it? No, it was Chat Roulette. I think it, it was, was Chat, Chat Roulette? Roulette. See how drunk I was? I didn't know which one it was. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the time of quarantine, I was just having some drinks and I was like, everybody else went to bed. So I got bored and I wanted to just chat with new and interesting people. And I found you among the yes. sea of penises. Yes, there was a lot of penises. <laughs> so, I mean, pretty much, pretty much like 90% men and like what 10% not even 10% women and I don't know what the other percentage is to make up the rest of the video that they they put on there Mm -hmm. it's not usually uh, a safe place for children I'll just say that Mm -hmm. so so um, 
Yeah. So I found you and we started having this conversation about different music. I remember now, I don't know if yeah. you, had, I, I can't remember if you had had anything to drink that day or if it was uh, me. water. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you were just naturally fun. That's, that's I was, what yeah. I I'm, I'm, this is my personality right here. <laughs> yeah. So then I mentioned to you that I was doing this podcast and I said, you know, you should come on and be a guest with me and we can have a chat about somebody that you want to talk about. And, mm. um, I sent you the list of artists that we were including on the show and then Tevin Campbell came up. So I was like, I really want to do an episode about him. Um, I've reached out to him now. The only way I can really get a hold of him was by tweeting him. Because oh, I, I was about to has... say too, like, if you're listening to this, Tevin, come on the show. We want yes. to talk to you. We really want Tevin on the show. So um, maybe I'll get the word out there. Even if he sees that we've done an episode about him already he's still welcome to come on the show. That's just how it is. It's very, very open. We do whatever I feel like doing. Which Especially is if you have a rare experience to talk to a, a major artist like that. Like, definitely. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to any of the episodes, but we've had, I mean, it's very, you're from, you're from where, California? California. That's right. So um, if you had a chance to see the episodes that we've had so far, it's been about 50-50 with, between Canadians and Americans. So far. <laughs> I, I tried listening to it, but I kept on getting distracted by work and, and you know, mm-hmm. casual life. And life. But yeah, <laughs> like the artists we've covered so far, there's a lot of Canadian ones that you might not know of, but uh, they Most might. Likely. But there's also, I've had a few, quite a few Americans I've talked to as well, which has been really nice. Um, so yeah, we'll see if we can get Tevin on one day. Now tell me about how you discovered Tevin Campbell. Yeah, it, I was in high school, actually no, I was in not high school, I was actually in junior high, I think, 13 years old uh, when that album came out. And I remember hearing it on the radio, the song, I'm Ready. Hmm. And the, like the hook, like the music and the hook that they have for it was really inspiring. Like it really caught my attention. So, uh, I found this one jukebox at this restaurant and I pumped, I would always pump quarters to it to replay the song over and over again if I could find it. And, uh, and my parents are like, why do you keep playing that song? I'm like, it's awesome. Like, <laughs> listen, to how, listen to how he just harmonizes himself during the chorus. I mean, I love it. And I was just like, from there, because like, he has like the, one of the most unique voices, in my opinion during that time. And I think he still does too. You know, I haven't heard him sing since pu- like since he's ha- had hit puberty. And I, had a, <laughs> I had a chance to actually hear, hear his voice change. Um, yeah. That's, that's what we, we can do today. We can share some of the tracks and um, I, oh, totally. I, that's the nice thing about doing stuff on Zoom. Now this is an audio podcast, but the video can go into bonus material if people want to see some of that stuff. We have a- Oh, cool. A, it's what's called Patreon account for subscribers. And uh, then they can get to see some of the videos that we talk about too. And see what we're doing here with my cool Prince background that no one can see but us. I love it. <laughs> I was like, oh, was, there's a connection there to, to what we're doing it's today. Right? There is. Because Devin Campbell did work with Prince. And yes. how many, I don't know how many times he did, but he was in the movie Graffiti Bridge. His video round and round, Prince makes a cameo in it. 
Yeah, I remember that one. Actually, I because I didn't get to watch a whole lot of TV when I was, when I was a kid because my parents didn't want me to. They thought I was watching too much TV when watching like nerdy stuff like Star Trek. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> I'm cool. But um, uh, I did get to a chance to like watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and I know he was like on, on some other uh, shows as well as a you know as a stand-in as a mm. boyfriend. It was like I can't remember what the the show is called. Like, it's called Monica or something like that. And he was like, uh, like a boyfriend for a girl, and or no, he he came in as a as Kevin Campbell, I think, and the girl like painted. I can't remember, but yeah, um, yeah. The only the only thing I remember him as far as you know doing acting or video work was his um, his Broadway musical. Oh, tell me more about that. Oh man, Broadway. So he starred as seaweed in hairspray okay. and so um have you seen the this the movie i have hairspray okay i'll be honest with you i'm not big into musicals but oh really i'll, I'll, I'll tell you more after you explain yourself <laughs> <laughs> well hairspray just to give you some context it's a uh, show like based in, like, in the 60s and um it, they talk about segregation and all this other stuff but um, there's like a you know a heavyset woman who managed to get popular on a TV show, and she's fighting for popularity and for equality. And there's a character named Seaweed who happens to be black, and you know she comes together uh, or he comes together with uh, the main actress's uh, friend, which is named Penny. So there's a few songs that he's saying uh, that Kevin's saying, and he actually sounded really good and. Uh, there's a scene where I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but there's a scene where he's rescuing Penny. Let's just put it that way. He's rescuing Penny, and the way how he kind of acted out this scene was just kind of funny because <laughs> he and he's singing the song really, really well too. Huh. Well, yeah, I guess no spoilers, right? But still, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying not to spoil it as much as possible. <laughs> there's got to be a limitation on spoilers. But there never is now because now we can watch everything from the past whenever we want at our fingertips. Yeah, so exactly. It's kind of like you can never spoil anything anymore. Every, oh yeah, it's like everything's in the trailer now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I want to tell you the end of The Sopranos. No, you can't. It's twenty years <laughs> old, but someone hasn't seen it. You know. There was a horror movie uh, where these people were trapped in a building, and uh, they're quarantined, and people were turning to zombies. And they literally showed the scene at the end of the movie, same as the trailer that they played. And everybody was like up in arms, like, what the heck did you just show me? <laughs> like, <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> That's awesome. I, uh, but yeah, to elaborate on the musical thing, now here's, yeah. here's the thing. I respect musicals and it takes like acting and singing at the same time and everything. It takes a lot of talent. So no yeah. disrespect to musicals. For me, it's a matter of, I, I am a musician. I've been in singing in bands for a long time and, and I, and I host karaoke. And so I'm a huge avid lover of music. It's a huge part of my life. Now, when I want to sit down and watch a movie, I just want to watch a movie. I, I want it. I don't want you to sing to me the movie. I just want to watch. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. I, I had enough music. I had enough music. I just want to sit down with no music, please. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like, I don't need you to sing me the damn story. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> then I'm a, I guess you hated, uh, not hated, 
that's a strong word. But I guess you didn't watch any of the Disney movies then. Okay, now you've got me. You've got me on Disney movies because mm. they are all pretty much musicals. So, yes, I've seen them. A lot of them, not all of them. Can you believe I haven't seen The Lion King? The, the cartoon version? Yeah, the original. Oh, wow. That's I like... mean, I knew the songs. I knew all of the Elton John songs from it. We even sang them in choir in school and everything. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I mean, I yeah, you have to watch it. It's a really good story. Um, watch it before you watch the live action one. I personally didn't like the live action one. But yeah. yeah. Because it didn't I... have Kevin Campbell in it. You know? Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I cannot even watch the live one until I see the original or that's just wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to do the comparison. Okay, but since cool. we're talking about Disney, though, um, it does tie into Kevin Campbell with Disney. Nice. Did you know that? Uh, I think I skimmed over that, but I'm trying to see. Oh, a it was a Goofy movie. movie. Ah! Yes. He played as Powerline, um, the, the uh, musician is in the movie. And so the son, I forgot the son's name, and Goofy, uh, you know, their relationship is kind of, you know, kind of not tearing apart. It's just that he's just turning into a teenager and wants to go with girls and like that. And Goofy felt that he needed to reconnect with his son. Well, it turned into a two-part story because the son made a lie that he's going to go to the Powerline concert and uh, Goofy wants just to take him around the world, uh, you know, around the country. Mm-hmm. And so you hear a couple songs uh, from Tevin Campbell or Powerline, and they're really, really cool. Like, huh. they're really good for, especially for being a, uh, a cartoon. And I can't remember what year that actually came out. So um, uh, let me I, know, I know it was before 1995. Ooh, right, there we right go. So we're in the zone. The we're in the zone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, uh, I used to, uh, when actually my sister wanted to sing, or not, not sing, but dance to that. I was like, I want to help you dance. And, <laughs> oh, That's fantastic. Like, I heard of the Goofy movie, but I never watched it. But at the time, like, in 95, I was turning, I was 16 or 17, so I was kind of, like, not interested in that kind of thing anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I was too busy. Cartoons. I was too busy being this cool teenager, or I thought whatever I thought I was. I need people to like me. I need people to like me. <laughs> it's so silly. It's so silly. So, but yeah, so Tevin started back. He was born in '76, and he's from uh, Dallas, Texas, basically a small town, Waxahachie, wow. I think. Wax, Waxahachie, Texas, is where he was born. Um, started performing gospel early, early, early on. And then he had an audition mm-hmm. for a jazz musician by the name of Bobby Humphrey, who immediately mm-hmm. took interest in him. Yep. And obviously was very connected because he got, he got Tevin signed to Warner Brothers Records. Mm-hmm. And even Te- Tevin, I'm not sure if this came before or after, most likely after um, signing up with that. Like he met up with bigger stars uh, from there because he really wanted it. Michael Jackson happens to be one of them. And he flew his family to Neverland Ranch, his entire family. Oh, I bet he did. And yeah, I mean, Michael Jackson was making like money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once you got Michael and, back, then you had MJ on your side, you were good to go. Oh yeah, pretty much like pay my bills, please. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, and I think he was really captivated by the voice because you know Michael Jackson had the high voice, and so does Kevin Campbell because his range is so super high; it's ridiculous. Yeah, and then you had 
the big guy that really kind of launched it, which was Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones, the legend. Mm-hmm. The yeah. love person. He makes songs that make babies, I'm telling you right now. He does. <laughs> he's a legendary guy. And a lot of people don't know he's actually Rashida Jones's the actress's father. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Actually, you know. Oh, shoot. I'm going to have yeah. to do some Google searching. It's true. True, true, true. So, um, Quincy. Now, we're talking about Kevin Campbell. When this is all going on, he is super young. He's, what, like 12 mm-hmm. years old? Yeah, super freaking young. And, to have a voice um, like that. Wow. Yeah, he had, it was such a not mature voice, but it was just mature in terms of the quality of singing, you know. And at the time, it was really kind of hard to find because obviously we did have YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. and social media so it was a lot harder to be recognized and i remember seeing a couple of his performances on youtube obviously and it just kind of seemed a little corny to me seeing, having to sing his song and trying to dance at the same time mm-hmm. he's not a good dancer at least in my opinion <laughs> i'm like you can't have it thing. all right yeah yeah exactly you can't have it all <laughs> even his even his music videos were kind of like mm. Do something else. <laughs> is it, is like, it awkward to watch? It's kind of well. At least he, the the upbeat songs were a little bit awkward because he he needs to dance, and you have the dancers who are more experienced with him, and he just it t- kind of looks like he's trying to catch up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. Maybe he, he's safer just pulling a move here or there, not following all the choreography. is probably for the best. Yeah. Especially when you're when you're the lead singer, you can get away with that too. Well, I think people won't care. They'll probably just want the, want the voice. I'd rather hear the voice than watch you dance. Me too. I want the voice. <laughs> I want the voice, yes. But yeah, yeah. of course, his voice is still, is still very young and it was very high. But at the same time, his technical proficiency for someone at that age was fantastic. I don't know. I didn't find anything in his history saying what kind of training he had at that age. Maybe he just got yeah, the I training didn't from... I mean, just singing in, a, singing in a choir to begin with. You get quite a bit of training on how to take care of your voice, a very, very um, elementary amount, which yeah. is really cool and, and very I helpful. mean, exactly. I mean, because, you know, if you're in a choir, they really want to make sure that you know how to sing. And so they'll, I'm pretty sure they have courses in their church and they really make sure that these people can sing. And that, that kid has a natural gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, 90% of anything that he did was definitely just God-given talent. Um, so then after obviously doing the, the audition for Bobby Humphrey, um, he submit, Bobby submitted an audio and videotape to Warner Brothers Music where he got to meet Benny Medina. Now that's a very huge name in entertainment, mm. Benny Medina. I believe he's a producer of both music and television. Or it might just that's be, cool. might just, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of Googling it a little bit too. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have like two screens going. So on the other one, I'm just kind of looking at some of the um, Wikipedia information. But um, yeah, exactly. It's a huge name in the business. Um, so that that time, Benny was the Warner Brothers senior vice president and general sales manager of Black Music specifically. What was the song like the the audition song that he sang? I'm trying to find it. If you if you find it. That's cool because I don't see anything about that. Uh, like to give people some background on Quincy Jones. Quincy's middle name is Delight. Isn't that cool? Quincy Delight Jones Jr. 
Yeah. Not only does he make baby making music, his his middle name happens to be Delight. <laughs> he's just perfect. So, he's one of the biggest American record producers of all time, songwriter, composer, arranger, uh, 16 years in the entertainment industry, 80 Grammy Award nominations and 28 Grammys. Oh, man. I don't know if anybody's ever even come close to touching that. No, so I, I, I can't know. I wouldn't know I wouldn't know I, I lost I lost track every time I watched the Grammys I'm like oh we won a lot of awards <laughs> of course um but it's like may I ask too like how old you are I, I forgot I am 40 years old and I'm 41 so we're we've got the same table of reference pretty much other than what media we were exposed to right mm-hmm. same, exactly same range <clears throat> okay so I guess Tevin puts out a, a single before he does a full album? Yeah, and I think the full album was 1991, Okay. Uh, which I see here. And Tevin was actually the, the first one. And, but they, they kind of like abbreviated his name, which I didn't understand why they did that. Maybe just to make him look cool, I suppose. Oh, did they? Um, okay. Um, uh, but his first... Uh, he, he was on an album that was Grammy award-winning album of the year called Back on oh. the Block, Quincy Jones, 1991. So oh, I, yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. There was several, several um, well-known artists on that album. And it was kind of like how I think Tevin was unveiled to the world. Yep. And looks like he actually worked with Babyface on that album, too. Mm-hmm. And that man makes Baby making music, too. Oh, Absolutely. There are songs I can, you know, I know it's a little bit side, but there are songs that I did not even realize he wrote. And that's insane. Like, I came across a YouTube video where it's like, oh, Babyface um, songs that he wrote. And then all of a sudden, uh, they play all the songs like, he did not just write all those songs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I remembered it. Yeah, no, legends. Another legend. So this kid is so lucky. You got to, with the mm-hmm. thousand, the odds to become famous in the world are just so small. And he just got right hooked up with the right people. Yeah, I, I right completely time. agree. And um, it, I don't know how to explain it. It's just that, I mean, the quality of his voice, because um, it's kind of weird how I say it, like his voice is like an alien, right? Because it's so different from everybody else. And when I say alien, because he has that, that high range and, um, and mad skills in, ter- in terms of like doing the ad libs. Mm. in all the songs and he just rocked it and that's why i love it i'm going to insert some clips of different songs here and there throughout the podcast (gasps) do it do it do it so i mean it's up to you like if i do that post edit or or play them as we go if i play them as we go then we'll just listen to a clip of whatever and Mm -hmm. then i'll probably add it in properly into the show later so that it sounds good sure yeah well let's see let's see um, let's start with a really, really young clip of Tevin. What would we play to start so people can get the idea of how his voice was at that time? I don't think I've ever heard Round and Round. That's right here in the Round and Round is the only song of his I know, like right off the bat when I hear it. I'll, I probably, I'll probably recognize it when, when, he, when it comes on. It was the big, I think the big single. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to hit share screen so that we can... You can see and hear what I've got going on over here on this side, okay? That's good. So, uh, yeah. And then for anybody else who's listening to the podcast, if you want to check out the videos, you can do that by subscribing to our Patreon. 
And now we're going to go into a uh, share. So round and round. Ooh. I hope this is the actual. Okay. I'm looking for the official video. Here we go. Now watch that's carefully. The, yes, that's the one. That's the one. There he is. <laughs> that look on Prince's face. <laughs> I know. Prince's uh, role in this video is to look at a young protege and be like, go on, boy. <laughs> be your bad self. And, um, you know, but if you play that back in this day, you show it to somebody who doesn't, who has never seen Kevin Campbell, like the look on his face is kind of a little bit strange for me. Like he just kept on watching him. I get it. That's, that's how he acts, like Prince. Yeah. But um, yeah, I wasn't um, really, I mean, I've heard that song before. And the hook is really nice, but I didn't really fall in love with that particular song. And I don't know, that's just me. I did. I think the verse is stronger than the chorus, which is you think so? not usually. That's just, yeah. Yeah, I, I, prefer... I, like the, I like the chorus. I prefer the verse myself. That's funny. It's cool because it's good to each have your own uh, idea of what, what works for that song. But so that was the first hit. Uh, hit solo hit um charted number three on the r&b chart billboard r&b and the billboard hot 100 it made its number 12 that was produced wow. by prince and also featured in graffiti bridge now how do you here's once again going back to how lucky this kid is i wonder where the bridge was between quincy J jones working with him and then prince coming along oh like do I were quincy know. and prince associated like that's what like I if know. you mean you mean like if they work together or are they just kind of uh, maybe Prince you... just saw him in, in Quincy's thing and said hey kid come hang I want I want to do this song with you or you know what I mean yeah and I, I remember reading that uh because Prince did produce a, uh or help produce a song and uh I think that what happened was I can't remember where I read this but what happened was that Prince helped write the song for Kevin but it might have been too risky escape because that's that's that was prince's way of you know of writing music so yes. they had to dial it back for tevin and i can't remember what the name of that song was um and i actually had it in my notes and i actually undid it when i was trying to add some additional notes for some reason so i'm oh, trying to look okay. for it 
Yeah. Um, see if you can look for that because I'd be interested in hearing that. And I wonder if because Prince sometimes will write songs for people, but he'll do his own version or his own demo of it as well. So it's possible mm -hmm. that there's a version of Prince did himself of the tune too. Um, so yeah, that was that was really cool. That's still round and round, I think. Okay. That's the one I think. And the very oh, next. Oh, actually, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, we'll continue on the train you're on there. Uh, well, it's actually kind of jumping too far ahead, but I found the song. Um, and we'll eventually get to it. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to still kind of go down the timeline then. Because um, like yeah. a, year, a year later, he made a guest appearance on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, playing, mm -hmm. playing a Little T, who was, uh, was a fictional pop crush. idol. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. that, yeah, that Ashley was in love with, so. I actually said it was Monica for some reason. I don't know why, but. Oh, that Ashley's name was Monica on the show? Uh, no, I don't know why. I, I, I wrote down Monica and um, that he was a celebrity crush and stuff like that. But I don't know where I got that because I was, you know, as I was doing my research, it might have been the the article that I pulled it from, and they they probably said it in a different way. But it, you know, I I'm totally wrong. <laughs> well, that's okay. But that's the one I remember. That's the one I remember um, uh, reading about was that he was on a show where he played uh, as a celebrity as himself, and um, you know. The, the girl the birthday girl kind of like you know fainted at that point this is something he has in common with tommy page because tommy page did the same kind of thing on full house <laughs> but tommy page God. was playing himself but he came on there to sing to stephanie on her birthday it's the same oh. same kind of idea you know and it's a way for whoever's record company is trying to break a new artist to get them on a show mm -hmm and get them get them that exposure i mean i talked to uh mark calderon from color me bad uh, oh really yeah it was it's episode three um actually i think that's i think i started with that one as a matter of fact i, I i'm sorry i just kind of blew my mind here i'm sitting in in superheated house right now I and bet. my air conditioner is working in double time and i'm still hot I don't even know what that's like. I live in Canada. Jeez. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, they might as well build my city in the freaking sun. <laughs> um, so, so Mark said that, like, that's the thing too. Like, Color Me Bad was booked and appeared on Beverly Hills 90210. And as soon Ooh. as they did that, the day after that episode aired, he said they sold 1.2 million records the next day. The oh, most they had ever, like, the most like, they had ever sold. And it just, that's incredible. So from that being said and that happening, that is just probably something record companies want to do. Is did get he perform new... on the show? I think they did perform on the show. I have to look back at that and actually watch it again. <laughs> um, and... I would have to look at the, the clip that they had for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I saw some episodes, but I never knew that he was actually on. I can on... play. Well, let me see if I can play the clip. Yeah. Let's see, let's see, let's see. That would be pretty cool. How about this? Yes. Little T sings happy birthday to Ashley. Little T. Little T. Or there's there's two clips. The other one is uh he asks Ashley on a date. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember that episode because I've never seen it. I just 
um, I just remember reading about this, and this is like, I'm super excited right now. I didn't know who was on TV. Here's a clip of Happy birthday, dear Ashley. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Ashley. <laughs> Uncle Phil's like, what? So guys, she just falls backwards and faints. Her face the whole time is just like blank slate. Yeah. I just like how he just stands there. <laughs> it's like, okay, what next? <laughs> I'm trying to try to turn that down a bit. Um, yeah, that's that seems to be the way to do it. You get on the show and you sing someone happy birthday and your career takes off. They actually did it um well. Uh, they did it for New Kids on the Block, but it was the new season, or like the, not the new season, but like the, the most recent version of, of Fuller House, that's what they called it. And they had New Kids on the Block come on and sing, Please don't go, girl. I can't even do it. That, <laughs> Please don't go, girl. <laughs> um, that was the only episode of Fuller House I've ever watched. That's actually the only one I saw, too, because I like Be the song. Because I still love New Kids. Oh, yeah, I'll never get over New Kids on the Block. Are you kidding me? Oh, I, and I, I, they're actually still really good. They are. I think they're just as good, if not better now, honestly. They're, they're seasoned now. They're, you know? Yeah, they're very seasoned. So, <laughs> like, when they start singing the song, have you ever seen the music video to Please uh, uh, Don't Go Girl? The, yeah. um, it's so funny. You have this child running to the car and giving a flower to, like, this older woman. <laughs> And I was like, looking at this laughing, I'm like, looks like he's giving a flower to his mom or something. I know. Well, Joey, and Joey was the lead singer on that. And he was the youngest member of the group at the mm -hmm. time. He was only probably mm -hmm. 13 in that video, I'm guessing, something like that. Uh, he looked a lot younger. Like, the way he looked, he looked so young. Yeah, it could have been. Could have been, like, 12 or 13. Probably. I mean, you know, makeup and the Vaseline effect obviously can shut off some years. I wish I could put a Vaseline effect on me, like, permanently. <laughs> I know. I had, I was in love with Jordan. I, Jordan was my, my major, massive, huge crush. All of his posters everywhere in my room. I was, I had the doll. I had pillows. I had all of it, all of it that I could get my mom to buy for me. I would do. Yeah. I, I mean, I actually didn't much have a much of a favorite, um, because at the time I didn't really, that's not when I started looking at guys yet. <laughs> but um, uh, there was uh, one guy who was like a tall blonde one, I think. Um, and I forgot his name, shoot. But he uh, was the one that caught my eye in terms of like his dance moves, stuff like that, and his singing. And is he obscure? Uh, my like, cousin. Like he's not doing he's it now. The, um, I don't know if he's doing it now or not. Uh, I'm trying to find out who that have, guy is. I have is. one in my head right now that I wanted to name. Could it have been Jeremy Jordan? Jeremy. Now there's two Jeremy Jordans. There's the 90s pop star, super blonde, buff Jeremy Jordan. And he sang a girl. Not called, him. Well, I, want I don't think a it's girl him. like you. He sang that. Yeah. Song. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
but then there's like a newer Jeremy Jordan that's like a wait. Why is Mark Wahlberg giving the new kids on the block? He was, he was in the. Original. I didn't know this. Yeah, he was in the original group. He never made it to an album or anything. I think he very quickly was out because he wasn't a singer. Oh, right, he was more of a rapper. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I think later when New Kids had a bit of success and then they said we wanted to get Mark performing as a rapper and start his own thing. I'm actually flipping through these pictures right now and trying to find him. Yes. So I should go back to Tevin, hey? <laughs> it's, that's yeah, the, beauty of, that's the beauty of podcasting is like we can just go off on tangents and it's fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Down the rabbit hole we go. <laughs> round and Round earned him a Grammy Award nomination. So he got uh, Best Male R&B Vocal Performance nomination, but he lost to Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross mm. is a good person to lose to. It's fine. I love Luther Vandross. <laughs> Very, very I think him a lot. I think him and Luther Van, uh, Tevin Campbell and Luther Vandross are coming to karaoke. Oh, wonderful! Which is what are your go-to songs? So Tevin Campbell's uh, song I would go to is um, "Can We Talk." Yeah, uh, that's the song I do. And uh, I tried another one. That's actually um, we're going to probably talk to you about a little bit. There's another one. Tell me what you want me to do. And then with Luther Vandross, um, gosh, I tried to sing all of his songs. Because they're really good. But one okay. I guess was like love can't uh, love won't let you wait. Okay, cool. Like I try I've only tried a Luther song once at karaoke and it was Power of Love. That's a good song. Mm-hmm. And the only upbeat song I actually tried by Luther Vandross was um Oh shoot, what's the name of that song? A thousand kisses from you is never too much. Never too much, never too much. Never too much. Yeah, that's the one. Here, let's see this uh, video. Oh, of course, there's an ad in it. (laughs) (laughs) Skip. Let's let's look at this quick. Oh, New York City. Yes. Central Park. definitely know that song now that i've heard oh. it. I, that was the song that got me hooked 
fun pairing. That was, it's almost like your, your first, your high school crush that you married. That's, yeah. that's the song for me with Kevin. <laughs> that chorus is great. And his oh, actually, voice it wasn't is... talk. It was the other one. I'm sorry. But yeah, go ahead. His voice is incredible. Like the tone it and is. everything. Um, I think by that time, he's obviously a little bit older in that video. Mm. Which album is that off of? It's that was off the I'm Ready album, which is after Tevin. Okay. And um, the one thing I loved about that particular song, because, you know, it was upbeat, but it had like this, it was so um, dynamic to me because there was the chorus, right? which started low. And then he gets into the bridge and the bridge is what kind of catches it for me. I love the bridge in it. And then it gets into the chorus, right? And I just, I love how he does these bridges in all of his songs in that particular album, the I'm Ready album. And it's like one of my, that's like, I'm so excited that you just play that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm glad I did. I, I that's, I got to get that on karaoke. I got to do that one. I like it. Um, it's awesome. But I think too, when I listen to him sing there and I can, you can obviously see that he, he's grown up a bit. Mm-hmm. I think his voice has already changed. It's already gone. It did get a little bit deeper. Point his verses were deep like compared to compared to can i can i um mention one song before we continue with the i'm ready one yeah so in the previous kevin campbell album the first one mm-hmm. there was one song tell me what you want me to do yeah and that song is phenomenal like he hits he hits these ranges okay so this is still off the the album before the tevin album yeah, the seventh, the seventh album. Okay, let's go back to uh, doing another share screen here. Do it after th- we must skip ads. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get YouTube Premium or something. Stop being cheap, Naomi. Get the good stuff. <laughs> get with the girl. <laughs> That's right. Okay, turn up the volume. Yes. There is the there is the the bridge in the middle where um, he hits these insane high high tunes, and that bridge was so cool. Like it, it just takes that song to the next level. It's that's like one of my favorite songs that he sings. Oh yeah, this is a real throwback for or flashback Friday for me because I uh, it's one of those moments where I was like, the title didn't get me. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, I know exactly. I've heard this. <laughs> 
what a voice. And I, I, actually, love, you know, I love the fashion. He's wearing these nice tailored suits, but back in the 90s, a tailored mm -hmm. suit was extremely baggy. Exactly. Baggy with the with the um, the shoulder pads and everything. So you had that, that straight T look, you know? Yes. Oh yes. my gosh. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's that's a great track too. Awesome. Um, so 91, 92, that was the album Tevin. Then what else did he do in that in that time period? Um he got to work with so many people. Another grand did. Another Grammy Award nomination for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance uh, that year, but lost to Al Jarreau for Heaven mm -hmm. and Earth. Al Jarreau's a really good singer. And like, yeah, like he's in good company, really good company. So I'm mm -hmm. sure, I'm sure he was okay with the fact that just a nomination is a beautiful thing. Um, I'm Ready, the album that we saw, heard that uh, Can We Talk from. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the kid's growing up, he's, he's got his, his adult voice happening. Produced by Quincy Jones and Benny Medina, a more mature sounding album to reflect his current state of yeah. mind. Makes sense. And that's what every uh, young person who starts young, they progress and you see how they grow through their album. At this point in our conversation, the internet decided to shit the bed. So we ended up reconnecting and we'll take it from there right after these messages. After these messages, we'll be right back. Analog Brewing, winner of three awards at the 2020 Alberta Beer Awards, is a proud sponsor of the Dope Nostalgia Podcast. Analog Brewing is now offering delivery within the city of Edmonton with no delivery fee on orders over $40. Go to analogbrewing.ca slash shop. That's www.analogbrewing.ca forward slash shop and place your order today. When placing an order, you could also pay it forward and take part in their Nurse a Pint program and prepay for a pint for a nurse. Mention this podcast in the order comments so they know we sent you. Analog Brewing, taking beer to the next level. It's our world, girls. Last night we were on the phone for hours and my parents will never see the bill. Electronic talking dream phone, a game with over 20 cute guys to talk to. To win, call up and get clues to figure out who's got a crush on you. He's not wearing a hat. It's not Tony Mike. It's a process of elimination. You can be talking to the boy for you. I really like you. It's Steve. <laughs> Electronic talking dream phone from Milton Bradley. You make the call after all. It's our world, girls. So I did take a chance to listen to all the albums, you know, because I wanted to kind of refresh myself. And I felt that I'm Ready was definitely the strongest album, mm. you know, and I felt that going from Tevin to I'm Ready, like obviously there's the season, um, like he's gone through some things, so he has a little bit of experience. Mm -hmm. And the way how they wrote the songs that you mentioned, like it's a lot more mature. And it kind of hits a more like a uh, an older audience because it's a lot more relatable. And the way how he sings the songs are just phenomenal. I I love e almost every single song in that in that album. I, I kid you not. I must have listened to that thing over and over again. Do you did you find that the music sounded less dated just because um, of the years that it was? I mean, it's only a two or three year difference from the first album to that album, but in when you're a young person, of course, that's a huge difference, A. But B, stylistically, the music, was the music more mature? That's, I, I would say the music was more mature. The first album, I felt, was more about, like, 
getting him on a uh, getting him edgy because he's a kid um and try to make it upbeat because he's also a kid mm-hmm. you know and it, it was kind of you, you could tell that just the way how the album you know sounds like he actually has some really good songs and tell me what you want me to do was a really i think was probably the most mature song out of that cd then he came into this one and i think what happened at least this is my opinion is that with the success of Tevin and people are starting to get to know him more um they they decided to push um the envelope and they they started utilizing his range a lot better Mm. um and his and his vocal skills because this this guy like every time he hit those songs like the particular songs that uh, I'm trying to pull up the, the song list here. That way I don't miss any. Um, seven, I'm ready. Hold on. Okay, yeah. So obviously Can We Talk was, was definitely one of them. And the next one after that, Don't Say Goodbye, Girl. That song is so powerful. It is so good. At least in my opinion, it's really good. Top 30 R&B hit, Don't Say Goodbye, Girl, the fourth single off that album yeah and um the cool thing about that song um because it's about pain you know and the way how he sings the song you know he's he's like talking to the girl and as soon as it starts getting towards the end of the song he is just belting those notes like crazy and you can really feel the pain Mm. that he put into it it's really good at least that's what i feel (laughs) oh and that's so much more important than anything is when you can feel that emotion, um, mm-hmm. even just listening to it, not even seeing it visually, but can you can feel that in the voice? Um, yeah. Way, way more important in some aspects than technical skill. Yeah, I completely you know? agree. And um, I think he just grew up a little bit to where he had a lot more experience and um, maybe a girl broke his heart. You know, he probably had a crush on somebody and then, um, and it didn't work out so he was able to kind of you know hone that experience the thing too is he probably felt a lot of things going on as he went through puberty and was growing into his adult years Mm -hmm. because of the fact that he was probably conflicted about his sexuality you know are you frozen oh he almost Uh froze he almost froze yeah he was conflicted about his sexuality i'm sure and that was something that he had to hide at that time i felt i feel that he probably felt it wouldn't be okay to disclose that because the year it was, you know, the, the style of music he was singing, I don't think it was um, acceptable in, in pop culture at that time for a young mm-hmm. male R and B singer to be gay. Right. And you're, you're absolutely right. Cause especially in this genre that they're trying to hit in the market and uh, you know, companies, before then, they never wanted to take that chance. But now, you know, obviously we're a lot more um, diverse in our culture. You know, now we have companies saying, oh, you know, gay pride, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, and I was reading an article and I'm trying to pull it up. Oh, it's frozen. <laughs> and during that time, uh, while, you know, after that release of that album, he actually started getting what's the word I'm looking for? Like he started getting soaked in into the whole stardom and it kind of got to him to where he started like uh, drinking at the age of 14. Mm. 
Um, and he was even driving his, uh, like a car to parties because nobody would drive him. He was 14 or 16, one of the two, but he didn't have a license. Oh. And um, he started living, you know, like the stereotype of, oh, the celebrities, you know, they're going to out there and party and do all this stuff, you know. But um, that's what actually, you know, I started reading about right after I'm ready, you know, and, um, and I could tell why Sanchez was such a successful album. Um, the song, What Do I Say? Oh, that's another good high range song too. Like once he hits that bridge um, in the middle of the song, he takes that to, uh, to, another, to another level. And then there was, that's the name of the song. Yeah. And that song is, actually really hot it's actually it's probably the most sexual song in this album Ooh. it is and he goes break it down i don't want a body just to hear this sound and the huh. metaphor that they use in the lyrics it's really cool how they, how they did that so that's probably one of the songs that babyface probably produced too or that prince mm. maybe but it was actually a really good song that one right there Yeah, what's up? Leave your name in a brief message And I'll be sure to get back with you Peace Tell him I love you Break it down I don't want nobody else to hear the sounds This love is a private affair Interrupt the flow, know them better not dare to break it all down in the daytime uh-uh i think not i'd rather do you after school like some homework uh, am i getting you hot in my bedroom because then we have to stop Growing up so young under the eye of the media and all of that too is going to take mm-hmm. its toll on every young star. Um, whether did did he weather that attention well, or did he end up going through a trouble phase later uh, on? I think I, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I still believe that you know. Because uh, in, in the beginning, before he did the Tevin Campbell, um, there were some interviews that I saw, and he was talking about how he wants to get, in, he wants to be a total star. Like, he really actually wanted that. And, you know, most celebrities like Whitney Houston, for example, would say like, oh, you know, they, they, they noticed me, so I did it, and I did my thing. And mm-hmm. she just kind of, you know, to talk it off and say like, oh, you know, I just wanted this thing. Well, Tevin Campbell was really into becoming world star and that's what happened to him and um and i don't know maybe not having a normal child life and being surrounded by nothing but adults um he kind Mm -hmm. of probably adopted that that lifestyle 
from being around adults instead of kids. I haven't haven't read much information about his home life or his family life either. Um, Hopefully, like, he had some good grounding. Um, I would probably say no, because like I said, he actually, well, as far as 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 the earlier years, and that's the thing, I actually couldn't find anything either. And I think they really kept that out of the public eye. Um, Which is a good thing. Yeah. But as soon as he started reaching the teens, which is around the, you know, when I'm ready dropped, that's when he started, you know, really kind of getting on the wild side where he started driving with no license at, you know, underage and drinking at underage as well. Oh, and, um, and he would always wanted to go to the parties and, and meet people and things like that. But as far as like maybe even the personal life, a relationship and stuff like that, like you've never seen anything about that. Yeah. And, um, and I'm pretty sure he kept it very quiet, as we all know. Like right now, he, um, you know, it's probably jumping forward a little bit here, but you know, he did kind of come out a little bit. He says, he's, I don't care if you call me gay, but he just falls in love with it, whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, he doesn't want he doesn't want labels, I suppose. But I did I did read a portion of that interview um, where they were trying to dig it out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's about his about his sexuality um i don't remember i didn't recall how old he was when that interview happened but um that was very recent um he, he basically said something about um he was into some he's not going to say he's gay but he was into some kinkier sexual stuff yeah and then yeah. the interviewer pushed and asked more questions like with men or with women kind of thing and they, oh, they they pushed and pushed till they got what they wanted out of him, and then that was kind of his his coming out. That was contra- I don't I don't think that that's not a fair. I don't think that was that. really fair because you know coming out, you know, as a gay man, mm-hmm. it's really a next step in your and or like the evolution of your life, you know, because mm-hmm. there's awake and then there's awake, you know. And Is it like you were awakening to yourself first and then awakening to everyone else? Yes. Like, you know, it, you know, me as a gay male, I came out to my father, um, I believe I was um, 15 years old. And um, I was really attracted to men. I didn't understand it. And I tried to figure it out. And that's when, like, Yahoo was around. That was, like, the only search engine at the time. Mm-hmm. And I tried, you know, I, I started looking at, you know, pornography to, just, you know, how things were but I never got attracted to the women and then I started more with the guys and so I'd save magazine clippings and then my father would find them and I had to tell lies mm. and that's that's the problem when you're living you know you're living a life where you're you're acting like you're awake and that you're just going with everyday life and so um you know I had to make up a lie saying oh and I just I just want to look like those guys I want to work out and things like that like you know made up a you know alive then mm-hmm. uh, a couple years later that's when i kind of just looked at my dad and we we're actually having a nice day and the dad you know i'm gay and it my hair started rising a little bit because i didn't know what to do mm-hmm. and i knew at one point it's going to come out and I, I didn't you know i just didn't want to hide it anymore and he all he says like okay i love you and then we just kept on going today which is awesome oh, and wow. it's all about creating that connection you know, and um, then he understood why I don't like sports, <laughs> why I didn't play sports, <laughs> but I was in the marching band <laughs> playing the clarinet. But 
you know, it's not fair, especially when reporters want to get to celebrities' personal lives. It should be him coming out on his own time instead of them dragging it out. So mm-hmm. hopefully karma goes to that person a little bit. It should be in his own time. Thank you for sharing that story too. I appreciate no, you're welcome. Knowing, knowing your story. Um, I think he probably had a difficult time. Obviously, since he sang in a gospel choir at a young age, I think maybe the church would have probably played into some uh, difficulty for him. Also, I think if you're raised in a Christian environment, you're told that being gay is wrong. Oh, you mean that way? Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. Yes. And so, and I am a Christian. I, I, I look at it as uh, not my place to judge um, people's sexuality and how do I really know if that's, I don't really know if it's a, a sin or not. I, I just, you know, I want people to just be happy. I want my friends mm-hmm. to just be my friends and be happy with who they are. Mm-hmm. That's the way I, I, exactly. I, I, I figure, but there was probably some pressure there, you know? Definitely a lot of pressure and maybe even the, the parents weren't really into it either. You know, I mean, there's all these question marks and yeah. um, he never really, you know, like I said, he never did any interviews about his family and there's nothing about his family in terms of how they treated him when he was younger. And, I, and like you said, I think it's a good thing too, because if that was to get out, then you're going to have pretty much like a Whitney Houston kind of story where, excuse me, where we all know where Whitney Houston started from and how she ended up. And all of a sudden, like, create this huge backstory that maybe may not even be true because you know how they kind of fluff it. Yeah. But um, I think it kind of gives him a good security, um, you know, to secure himself and his family in that, you know, um, you know, until they drag that thing out and, you know, him being gay, then that's now the family knows. <laughs> now, in 96 or 98, when Back to the World came out, that album was produced by Puff Daddy, Sean Combs. Yes. And it didn't do very well. Now, no. that had nothing to do with the fact of him coming out either because I don't think he had yet. Uh, yeah, he didn't come out. Um, if I was, I'm trying to find the article, but um, there's, I, I remember seeing like after 2000 is when he actually started, um, he used, you know, word by him coming out to get that and they actually did the interview. Mm-hmm. But um and I'm trying to Google that right now. Um, while you're doing that, I was just going to say, he seemed to have everything you could possibly have set up in his corner to be a longevity, long, to have longevity, have a successful career for, for life um, with, mm-hmm. all, with all the success he'd had and all the mentors and, and whatnot. He was basically, to me, like, like Usher would have been, you know? Yeah. Well, who, mm-hmm. Usher can still put out hit albums um, so it's like what happened yeah um, when the Back to the World album came out I, I tried listening to it and there's a couple of catchy stuff and I think what he was um, doing uh, he was experimenting new songs off the, you know that's what they wanted to do with him Mm-hmm. And they try to bring it to that next level. And this is actually probably the album where you start to hear his voice change a little bit deeper now. Mm-hmm. And um, there was only a couple songs that I liked from it, um, which was Could You Learn to Love and Tell Me Where. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I tried to listen to the rest of it and I, it didn't just, it really didn't vibe with me because it wasn't him. I felt like that he was just kind of giving what the market or what he, 
what the industry wanted to sell instead of him sharing his voice the way he wants it. Because I think he had a lot of fun in the I'm ready. That's why I was so successful. Mm. And then now it came to this, peer pressure is coming onto him because he's a lot older. Uh, maybe he was experimenting that time too, even more. And um, the music industry wanted to hit that R&B, uh, the modern R&B, like neo soul kind of thing um, around that, that time and try to get to a wider, uh, older audience. And I didn't, I felt that that wasn't his range. I, I felt that mm-hmm. the, you know, why, that's kind of why the song or the, the album didn't do so well. Just a complete type of uh, change in his style. I wonder mm-hmm. if he was happy with that change or how he felt about it. I wonder how um, much control he had over the choices that were made for him musically. That's a good question too. And, you know, that was like a booming time too for new artists coming out and, boy bands and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of competition. Now that the internet started, you know, having a lot more exposure, but not really videos, but, um, you know, uh, in terms of getting culture together and, and reading up on, on artists. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, he, he probably got pushed, at least that's my opinion. He got pushed into something that he needed to do because he written the contract and they made him what they want him to they just feel i feel like he was used like used mm-hmm. as a bet like uh something to bounce ideas off of and see if they would stick or not and that's yeah for someone with that much talent that's very upsetting in my opinion yeah um but you know like i said there's a couple of songs like could you learn to love was actually pretty good um and tell me where and tell me where i think was um uh, it's not slower it didn't really hit any um, ranges but he was able to kind of dance around a little bit and it was actually kind of a softer tone mm-hmm. and it made me feel like it was part of the I'm Ready album in a way so uh, or like you know that's kind of like where he kind of got that, that I got the vibe from was I'm Ready but um, yeah those are probably the only two that I like from that And it's funny too, because I, I look at the picture, the album picture, he's like an all in white suit. <laughs> and I thought at first, like his pants were ultra baggy, like a pimp or something. And I was like, why is he dressed like a pimp for some reason? And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's, just the, it's just the way the colors are. <laughs> Those baggy suits, I'm telling you, man, that was all the rage. Mm-hmm. That was it. And he also had the longer hair too, like the braids. 
at that time. I didn't really oh, care yeah. much about the I see that in his in his Wikifodia photo. It's like yeah. things got a little dicey for him in uh, '99 because that's yeah. when he got arrested. Um, yeah, it was for soliciting a lewd act from an undercover police officer at a sting operation. So a sting operation in, a, in an elementary school area where they were worried about children and they um, because of the cruising and such that was happening around there. Um, he was in possession of a small amount of marijuana at the time of his arrest. To me, not a crime. I don't yeah. smoke dope, but hey, it's legal in Canada, but this is a different time, different age, and it's America, mm-hmm. different laws. With um, actual science proving things, too, instead of saying that weed kills and stuff like that. <laughs> I remember that. I remember the time when um, those advertisements come out, you know, about smoking marijuana is bad, and they go, oh, if you smoke it, you get irregular heartbeats, it can lead to this, this, and this. And it got me scared until um, I met uh, my boyfriend who introduced me to weed. I was like, you smoke weed. And I was kind of scared about it first, but he explained it to me and I got to try it for once. Cause I, I figured, you know, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, don't, I don't smoke weed at all, actually. Even now I don't smoke weed, but I, I'm actually a very big supporter about it. But anyway, um, yeah, I agree with you. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, um, digressing here a little bit but uh i do agree that it's not too bad with that that's such a petty crime um it's very petty um and actually soliciting so what soliciting a lewd act would mean maybe he was looking for someone to have sexual relations with yeah but i see was it to and that's part i kind of confused me was it because he wanted to have sex with the guy in public or was he trying to lure him to like his his house or something like that to where that's um and maybe he tried paying him he's like hey you know mm-hmm. uh that's the only way i can think of like, why it would actually work out like that i think the issue in this situation was the location like it was mm-hmm. why why were these events happening first of all in near an elementary school to begin with yeah that's true that's because true. I'm pretty sure he wasn't looking for a, a child. It wasn't like that. I, it, oh, no. I would have said that in, in the report. Um, right. It was just location is like, they're like, don't do this around here. Yeah. <laughs> There's places exactly. for this kind of activity. And this is not exactly. the place. So, he should have came to San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, we'll totally take care of him. It'll be okay. You can join your people. <laughs> <laughs> right. He probably just didn't have that luxury yet. So he had to keep everything quiet and just, Mm -hmm. but then obviously it wasn't quiet anymore. Um, What I'm wondering is that interview you talked about, was that before or after he was arrested? It's definitely after he he was arrested. um, That's why the the question was asked. Oh yeah, because of that, yeah. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even state yet whether um or not it was a man or a woman he was but usually i think when they use the word cruising isn't that that's usually what that would entail yeah i mean i don't know sometimes um you know you always hear the stories that the the reports get a little fucked perhaps Mm. but you know like i said he um he was actually kind of a party animal uh he loved the parties he loved the drinking stuff like that and Mm. it probably got to his head like you know i'm i'm a you know, I'm a superstar. I should be able to do whatever I want. Yep. He probably had that kind of mentality. And then this brought him, you know, back to earth mm-hmm. and realized, you know what, you need to like snap out of it. And, you know, we all have our, you know, our issues and 
even to this day, I don't judge them about that. It just oh. happens to be an unfortunate incident, you know? No, um, that was 20 years ago. Things were a lot different yeah. then. Oh, yeah. Wow. I just made myself feel older just by saying I that. Know. 20 years ago. I, Holy crap. Every time I think about 12, fast 20 years have gone by, it just blows my mind. Um, <laughs> sick. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this all happens, and then we go on to 2003 to 2008 Broadway. So he'd been on a low profile for a very long time. And then you, mm-hmm. you, you did the Hairspray musical. Yes. Yes. Hairspray. And um, you can actually, there's actually a YouTube video of him singing on Hairspray. And um, it was kind of funny because he actually came out of the, of the theater on the last night they were doing it. And there was only a few people wanting to get his autographs. I'm like, no, there should be a lot more people getting his autograph. <laughs> That's <laughs> Kevin Campbell. Like, but yeah, guys. he actually did really well. And he, he went on a touring production too. So he probably did it in New York and then went off to uh, Australia to do the same. I think uh, that's really good for him. I, I think it kind of got him to a new culture and probably something he probably yeah. initially wanted to do, you know. No kidding. Broadway. I, th- I think there's way more and he probably felt way more accepted. And that's that, a good thing. That's exactly my point. You know, like there's, there's obviously going to be some gay male men. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a double standard right there. There's definitely gay men in Broadway and they probably made him feel a lot more comfortable and um, he felt that he was, you know, that's what he wanted to do. And so he probably got that, that role. Oh, that's awesome. Um, just kind of skimming through the rest of the information too. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's gone back into doing music here and there, just like bits of it. And he makes appearances at award shows and mm-hmm. uh, different, different projects and you'll see him again. Um, um, his social media presence as of now is I've only been able to find him on Twitter. Yeah, and there's a lot of actually live performances that actually happened recently, the last couple of years. Um, that he he sings all of his old his number one songs, you know, and most of his number one songs were from the I'm Ready album, and one which is uh, Tell Me What You Want Me to Do. There's a there's a live version that he did. Uh, I think it was like 2017. And, or no, actually it's a little bit further than that, but it was a very, very um, subtle way how they did the song. You hear the music, like the piano playing it, and he was singing slow, but you can hear like the experience versus the, uh, the, the album version and the live version. Like he really, um, like if you could find that one, that is like so beautiful how he sings that one. And he and he dances around on, on some of the notes stuff. And it was this flawless uh performance. How, I was gonna say, how is the voice held up? It held up well, like he sounds just like he did when he was younger. I wonder if he I mean, can sing them in the same key in the original keys. The same I could probably say that he sings at a lower key, probably like one key lower. Okay. But the man has um still has the the high voice but he uses the like uh more like a belting stone uh sound instead of his um instead of the what's it called the, the head sound mm-hmm. uh, i forgot i forgot the terms of what they call it yeah it's but like, yeah, he can still those, like your head voice and then your chest head voice, voice. Yeah. yeah and yeah. i think he kind of does more on the on the chest voice but he still hit the high and that's really um, good yeah it's so good it's very beautiful i i fell in love with him again as soon as i heard that and i God, I must have played that a hundred times back to back. And then you'll see him like um, singing um, Can We Talk 
at concerts and, you know, like recent concerts. And he sounds good in those ones too. And for some reason, he's saying, I'm ready at somebody's wedding. Like there, the two oh. couple was singing, the two couples were dancing to I'm ready. But I think the purpose of I'm ready was more like, it wasn't really more of a romantic song. I think the whole premise of I'm ready was about that the girl wasn't um, loving him as much and as much as he loved her. And so he's saying, I'm ready to love you. So stop, stop doing me wrong. Yeah. And so I think they just chose the song because the words I'm ready is, a, and it's actually a really nice song. I was like, do they really know what the backstory of that is? <laughs> <laughs> you just got married. <laughs> no kidding. It's like not, not the wedding song you you'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I, you know, if he's coming out with something recent, you know, something like, like I said with, about Whitney Houston's album, where before her last album, she took a long, long time. And there's rumors that this is coming out just like this. And I really do hope this is something that he has a little more control of. Mm-hmm. And he can do what he wants to do. But obviously, we'll have some big producers here, like um, T-Pain um, is one of them. Uh, Faith Evans is up reading this. And Teddy Riley is a big are, deal. Mm-hmm, these are big people. And... The fact that he's still doing these events, showing that he can still sing, it really shows that he actually maintained his voice and, um, you know, changed up. I think he kind of changed his life right after that that issue where he got arrested. And I think it's really good. It became an awakening point. Like, we need to clean up. I think he's in a really good position right now to do an album. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, he can work pretty much with whoever he wants to. Mm-hmm. I'm, yes, I'm, that label, the name, and and like you said, he has no one's controlling him anymore. He has control over what he wants to do now. Exactly. For, and here's the reasons. funny thing. Yeah, exactly. And here's the funny thing because as you listen to today's music, I mean, still there's mainstream pop and R&B and stuff like that, but there's a lot more artists that are starting to get more um, creative by kind of going backwards in time and trying you know, mixing some old school. And like Bruno Mars is one of them. Because you know, a lot of his songs deals, you know, takes a lot of stuff from like, um, uh, what's that band? Uh, they sang doo-wop. Uh, oh, God, I can't remember who it is. A, a Zap band. And um, he, you know, Bruno Mars took some keys from there and started making some really old school sounding songs. So I hope that if he is going to come with an album that he gets with, you know, he he does get with some creative people where they kind of get back to the roots because that's where, you know, I'm pretty sure that he would have a lot more fun in. I love what Bruno Mars has done with popular music and, oh. and, and putting that, putting that 90 flavor into it. It's, oh, it's I, I just love it. I just love it. Like they say that after a certain age, you kind of stop absorbing new music and you kind of are stuck listening to not stuck, but you really, your favorite stuff came from a certain time in your life when you were in your yeah. um, and it'll stay that way. Not for everybody, but for a mm-hmm. lot of people. I'm one of those people, hence why I do a podcast like this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when Bruno started doing that throwback sound, I just fell in love with his music. The, the 24 Carat was actually, well, actually it was before that one, but there's one song in 24 Carat, which was, um, um, 
Oh God, what was that song called? There's a the, song he does with Cardi B. That's uh, that's so, his guest. So. That's finesse. a good one. Um, finesse is fantastic. Finesse. That was a really good one. Um, but there's another. There's a slow song in 24K that was really good, and um, mm-hmm. it sounded like it was Michael Jackson almost. Oh. And if I could just get the, if I could just find the album. Oh, here it is. And then the song's called. Give me the song, please. The star, uh, Versace on the floor. Versace on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. There's that one that, and that one really had that old school vibe to it. Mm. But you know. Uh, then, but before that was like the um, what was that one? Oh, don't believe me, just watch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, Uptown Funk. Uptown Funk with Mark Ronson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was beautiful. He did really well, and you know, it's it's a point that you talk about how artists kind of stay in that zone where or not stay in the zone, but they, where they kind of grow up. Like, I think, I don't really listen to this particular person, but Rihanna is actually one of them. Mm-hmm. And Rihanna, if you, if you compare her, her first album that she did, and then, um, then you come, come to her most recent albums, it's really almost night and day. Mm-hmm. She, she's starting to, to experiment like different ways of, of doing music and stuff like that. And really trying to um, get like this, particular image that you want mm-hmm. you know and so like i said i really hope that kevin does that i'm waiting for your album kevin first album if it breaks then good then you're in a rush to make the second album this is what people mm-hmm. say you have your whole life to write your first album second album mm-hmm. is a rushed album because they want to capitalize on your success if yep. that album makes it the third album you have more control over and from that point on if that album doesn't make it you're pretty much done that's it and it's uh i don't know if it's the same way now we live in a culture now where you can just release singles if you want to yeah one hit wonders that's kind of what it is right now <laughs> um does um, it feel like aha all over again yeah 90s had a lot of one hit wonders a lot of mm-hmm. them um, and that's part of the beauty and fun of doing this show is that I'm finding all these obscure tracks too that I'd be like, hey, you guys remember this? And people are like, I remember that song, but I have no idea who did it. Well, let me tell that's you. That's probably about what it. we were doing. <laughs> let me tell you about it. Now you'll know. Then um, I try to find those people and see if they want to chat with me or not. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm going to extend that invitation one more time um, to Tevin Campbell and to come and chat with us about what's going on with his career now. And um he was never a a one-hit wonder that guy was just fantastic and had so much so much going on um in musically so much talent Mm -hmm. and i don't know how better way to wrap up this episode um except guys make sure you check him out i'm going to be posting some of his tracks on our youtube channel so people can see some of see and hear yeah. Some of his greatest songs. And I'm, I'm going to play clips of the songs too. Some of them that you mentioned. Yes. And um, I hope, I just really hope that people accidentally who don't know him accidentally come across his music and they fall in love with him because yeah, really um, it's really cool. And if you ever get a chance, also listen to the Goofy movie versions of his songs. It's so good. That's awesome. It's really, really good. 
Uh, I've really enjoyed this chat. You're a really good uh, co-host. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was actually a little bit nervous. Homework. <laughs> well, yeah, I did my homework. Um, I'll be honest though, like when, when you mention like some artist name, I, I have a tendency, okay, I, I, don't, I don't really follow pop culture like that as much where I know a lot of the, the names, but I'll recognize it if I hear them. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you told me like Babyface produced this and, um, or no, I'm sorry, uh, you'd say like, this artist produced this song and like, oh, okay, I know that song. It's like, yeah, it was from that guy. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. And I, and I'll snap it back in my head, you know, but yeah, it's actually my first time doing the podcast. So I, I hope I did a good job. Now you're going to be addicted. Oh, and if you get Kevin Campbell on, can you please invite me on with him? Of course I would. Of course I would. Oh my God. I would. If I can get, if, if we, if we hear a positive answer from him, I will let you know. And uh, you can be a part of that too. So hopefully, uh, Tevin, we love you. And it was an honor to talk about you and your music today. Mm-hmm, waiting mm-hmm. for more tracks from you. And yeah, dope nostalgia. Another episode in the can. <laughs> <laughs> we are looking for your photos of your memories of the 90s. I want to see those crazy fashions you had. I want to see the neat toys and the wild hair, the crimped hair, all of it, all of it. Just contact us on our social media. Colin's going to tell you all the links at the end of the show where you can send all that stuff. Or just drop a line and say hi. Tell us who you want to have on the show. Tell us anything you like. If you're even interested in being a guest, say if you're like super, super knowledgeable about a topic, let me know. I will consider having you on. Right now, I'm actually looking for people who were involved and really knew the career and music of Tommy Page, as I am putting together an episode about him for the future. So if you know about Tommy Page and you listen to his music, hey, hit us up, write me, dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com, and the rest of the links from Colin at the end of the show. Next episode, I received two amazing books from a rock star in the U.S. in a band called Jackal. If you remember Jackal, they were the guys with the chainsaw up on stage. Jesse James Dupree, the lead singer of Jackal. Now, he wasn't on the show. He didn't do the interview yet, but we talked to their amazing guitar player, Jeff Worley. Jeff Worley sent me these books. One of them is like a, a rock star's guide to a healthy life while being the life of the party called Dog Eat Dog. There's recipes in here, stories from the road. So that's one book he sent me. And the lovely man signed both of them as well. The other book is called No Filter, Stories Better Left Untold, Part 1 by Jeff Worley. So you can get his book online too. He's going to be our guest. Colin and I are going to be talking to him next week as well. A whole episode devoted to the rock star stylings of the band Jackal. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Social media, yeah, we've got it. Send us an email, dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Twitter, Nostalgia Dope. Or on Insta, dope underscore nostalgia. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work. It's a conspiracy. conspiracy. It's a Conspiracy is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network and happily powered by ATB. 
We are a bi-weekly podcast that aims to discuss selected conspiracy theories, alternative accounts, legends, myths, and more without coloring the topic with our conversation until the very end of the episode. We also feature beer reviews, lame jokes, bad puns, far too many 80s movies references, geek culture, and general nerdery. Our real aim is for fun, inclusive content that doesn't take itself too seriously. You don't have to be blisteringly paranoid of mind control to enjoy a chin wag with your old pals, Greg, Charlie, Andrew, the Irish Madman, and our podcast puppies, Kylo and Ren. It's a Conspiracy is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. ATB! <laughs>